This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. If I just read the scriptures, I, I wouldn't even think so much about the gathering. You know, like, like my first thought wouldn't be, let's have a gathering. Out of the scriptures, I would think, I'm on a mission. I, I love this God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and now I've got to go out and make disciples. That's what I would think. I, 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 need, I need to go out there and just reach as many people as I can. I, I, I'm supposed to teach them to obey everything that God's command. That's what I would get out of Scripture. And then what would happen as I did that, what I believe would naturally happen is suddenly I would find those other people who were on that same mission because we'd be the weirdest people on earth, right? We, we, we would stick out. We'd be so different. And, and that pressure to always stay on that mission, everyone else would be beating me down. So I would actually need these brothers and sisters in my life and tell them, hey, don't let me slow down. And I won't let you slow down. We've got to stay on this mission together. You see, this is why I wasn't into fellowship before, because I didn't need any more friends. Okay, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know, let's just get another gathering so I have someone to talk to. Like, like I, I didn't need accountability groups so that I wouldn't sleep around or whatever it was. I can do that. I can do that on my own. You know, I don't need that to, to do American church. I don't need fellowship. But to stay on mission every day, I, I need people because I'm going to get distracted. There's so many things I would rather do than make disciples. And so I need people in my life to tell me this. That's what I would get out of Scripture is I had to go out and start making disciples. And as I did that, I really believe that I would start gathering with other people doing the same thing. This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media. And our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. As you read in the book of Acts, you begin to see a community rising up among the believers. And you see them organize and, and divide up the leadership responsibilities between the elders and the deacons. And you begin to see a church making decisions on issues of giving to the common good of the church and making decisions about even the Gentiles' involvement in Acts 15. It seems that community was an important element to the growth of the individual and the growth of the early church. So I have decided to talk about community today, and I can't think of a better guy than my guest today, Tom Parrish. Pastor Tom Parrish is not only a pastor and an author, and in recent years, he's come out from retirement to become a church doctor, and a new term called a church resuscitator. I like that title, church resuscitator. I love it, Larry. That's good. I hadn't thought in those terms, but I'll take it. Well, you are. You're, you're doing uh, the work of an evangelist, but a pastor, and you're coming to help a church that's struggling, and I appreciate that. But Pastor Tom, I have been concerned for a long time about several things, and, and I hope to get to those today in this conversation. One of them is community. Now, community to me goes beyond the local church. It's the community of Christ, and we're called to be a part of the community of Christ, yet oftentimes it's pretty hard. We stay within that small group called the local church and we don't see ourselves in a broader sense in the community. But I think that community has been important and I'm not sure we understand it. So, so what is community? Try to define it for us, would you? Community 
is, of course, the invention of Jesus. It's not our idea. It was his idea. And community really centers around all those who have surrendered to Jesus and believe the Word of God and are willing to stay on Jesus' mission. Now, you've got churches all over the world. That doesn't mean all of them are part of the community. Tragically, some of them have gone their own way. But those who do, and this is what's fun, I can be as supportive and work with a church in India as I can a church in Minneapolis, even though I'm not there in India, because that is still my community. Those are still my family members. And I can do the same thing for Christians in Moscow, which I've had the privilege of doing. The point is not the ethnicity of the people. It is not the location of the people. It is who we center on, and the centering is on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, Larry, and people stay focused on Jesus, they truly become on this earth, the kingdom of God. And that's what community is meant to be, to where we reflect the values and the truths of God's kingdom. We live that out in such a way that not only are people drawn to it, but we speak to the world in an intelligent way, telling them the will of the Lord. And too often, the local church doesn't do that. It can, it should, and we have to help it get back to that. Well, you know, the community, Tom, when you talk about it like that, and you talk about the church in Russia or India or someplace, it makes me aware of the fact that it's not about race, and it's not about denomination or style of worship. It goes beyond all of that. And yet today, sometimes, you know, we have the black church and the white church and the Native American church, and I I get that people like to be with their own kind, their own kind, their own culture. Culture. And yet, I'm not sure that that's what Jesus had in mind, that we just separate into our own little enclaves. And it seems like that breeds some kind of bad blood sometimes. What do you say? Too often we forget this truth, that the church uh, in the world is kind of like an emergency ward at the hospital. When you go in with a broken arm or you go in with a bad cut, and you're in the waiting room where they're getting ready to take you back, you don't say, hey, wait a minute. There are people here that are my ethnicity. I'm not going to stay. Hmm. There are people here that don't look like I do. I'm not going to stay. You know. And so we wind up running in different directions. No, nobody would do that in emergency ward. You're there to get healed. If we understand the church is the place where not only we get healed, but we become healers to the world, and that in Jesus there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, then we ought to reflect to the world the reality that it doesn't matter what color you are, it doesn't matter what background you are, it doesn't matter if you're Lutheran or Baptist, we better have one goal in mind, and that one goal is to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and call people to faith in Him. If we fail to do that, I don't care what else we do, Larry, we have failed, because ultimately, He is the Savior, He's the head of the church, and we are there to serve Him, not the other way around. You know, there's a large church I'm familiar with in Las Vegas, Nevada. Can you believe it? (laughs) Las Vegas. But you know, actually, in Las Vegas, Pastor Tom, there are some great churches, and it makes sense, right? It's right in the heart of whatever happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, right? But, But there is a large church there, and they have a mantra that goes something like this. Everything we do in the church is done better in community. And yet, I just wonder, I mean, I think they believe that, and I think that's how they operate, but it's so hard to get relationships to work in community. I mean, community seems like it's a nice word, and we kind of understand it, and we embrace it. But what I struggle with is that it's the reality of actually having community, Pastor Tom, is tough. It is. And the reason it's tough is that we have a tendency to be myopic. In other words, we're looking at ourselves and my needs all the time. 
if I go to church with, well, this is the music I like, this is the style I like, what do you mean the pastor is going to preach for 45 minutes? Doesn't he know I have things to do, you know, later on in the day? Then we're going to have a conflict all the time. There's always going to be an issue. But here's one thing I learned, Larry. I had a friend who uh, is in a place where there's persecution overseas, and he said, pray for us, but don't pray the persecution ends. It's one of the best things that could have happened to us because all the petty stuff, all the stuff we used to argue about doesn't matter anymore. What matters is survival and living out the gospel and Jesus coming back again. And how do we bring his message into this world that is so corrupt? And so I think that once we lose sight of the target, then it's easy to divide and go all over the place. Larry, look at all the different denominations, all claiming they get their denominational views from the Bible. Here's the problem. Yes, what they found in there may be particular or whatever. However, they didn't see how they integrated into the entire kingdom of God and that's why we got Lutherans and Baptists and Methodists, and we can't seem to get along like we should. We should get along because we have one goal and one goal only, and that is lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ and calling people to faith in Him. And yet, here's the big battle I have. The church I serve right now in St. Paul's, we have a rule. Nobody can talk about God. We can talk about God the Father. We can talk about God the Son, Jesus, or God the Holy Spirit, primarily focusing on Jesus. But God is a generic term that has no authority for most people and no understanding, it's nebulous, and then God becomes whatever I want God to be. Instead, you focus on the Trinity, and particularly on Jesus, so what Jesus said, and it's kind of hard to make it up if you really focus on him. So I think the more we do that, the better off we're going to be, and I agree with this church in Las Vegas. It is better in community. It should be in community, and that community is a reflection of the reality of Jesus among us. You know, I did an interview recently with a young pastor who actually got a church assignment that was full of toxicity. And the toxic people that were in that church, they were denominationally minded, they were traditionally minded, and this young pastor came in and said, hey, you know, let's make some, uh, let's shake it up a little bit and, you know, let's reach out to the community. Well, long story short, the guy really, you know, got sort of tarred and feathered and sent out of town on, 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 on the railroad. But, you know, Tom, I just don't know what it is about us that keeps us away from having good community. And maybe it's because we don't know what good community is. So help yeah. us. What is good community? Good community is a community that continually reflects upon and knows its purpose. I think too many of us keep missing our purpose. We don't exist, you know, just to supply food to the hungry, although that's an important thing to do. We don't exist just to help, you know, those that are living on the streets, which we do, and that's a good thing. We exist because Jesus has called us into existence. And I learned a lesson a long time ago. One of the reasons I think I stayed healthy in the ministry for all these years is that in the early days, I would let people attack me if they didn't like what I was saying. And some of what I was saying probably wasn't that good. Here's the bottom line. When I would teach them something biblically, and they would want to disagree, or they wouldn't want to go a different direction, I would ask them, or I would say to them, you know, your problem is not with me. Your problem is with Jesus. He's the author. And you have to ask, what is Jesus saying here? And Larry, one of the best things happened to me, because one of my biggest nemesis in my first church, we had kind of a little blowout after a meeting on that very topic. And I said, you go home and you look at what Jesus says, and then you tell me what we should do different or how we should do this. He came back a week later and repented. He actually repented and said, I never looked at it that way. So I think the local church has to, if we're going to be successful, we've got to keep the focus and the leadership has to keep the focus on the will of the Lord Jesus. 
And that means we've got to be biblical. That means we've got to communicate. That means we've got to be openly repentant. You know, I mean, when was the last time, Larry, you saw a pastor get in the pulpit and say, you know, when I did this, this, and this, I really blew it. I sinned against you, and I sinned against the Lord. Please forgive me. I've asked that as I've done seminars across the country, and I think I had one person in all these years raise their hand. The point is, I'm a leader, you're a leader, but we're not God. We're not Jesus. We are there to help the body of believers who are the priest of all believers understand that truth and carry that out. So the way we do it is continually go back to the Word, reflect on that, listen to one another, but challenge one another uh, in community as to what Jesus really wants us to be doing. I 100% agree with you, Pastor Tom, and I think that oftentimes, you know, we accent a lot on leadership. We teach on leadership a lot. Yep. Yet I think the other component to leadership is structure. And I have a friend in Las Vegas, by the way, an executive of a very uh, large company, and he says, hey, in, in, whether it's in business or in the church, there's leadership plus structure. And I wonder yeah. sometimes if structure of the church is somewhat myopic. You know, we become, and you're a pastor, and I don't want to offend you, but I think we become pastor-centric, so much yeah. so that it's a pastor's fault no matter what in the church. Well, that's kind of an undoable situation, isn't it? It is, and here's the problem. Pastors have to be consistent in teaching about the priesthood of all believers. Everyone who claims Jesus is a minister of the gospel, an ambassador of reconciliation. And what I've learned to do over the years, Larry, is that almost every sermon I preach lends itself to talking that way in some form. You are the body of Christ. You are the exiles in dispersion in this world from First Peter. You know, that type of thing. The emphasis needs to go back on the body. The pastor has a role, along with the elders, along with others. We have a role to play, and we need to make that role the best we can. But the role I understand is this. I am not there to foist my own will upon the body. I am not there to do my own thing or build my own aggrandizement into who I am. I am there to take this church and make it as much the body of Christ as I can, helping people not only explore their gifts, but put it to work in ministry. And I think oftentimes we talk an awful lot at meetings. I mean, my, my attitude at meetings is I'm tired of them. I don't want to talk so much. I want to do something. And too often we sit and we talk and we talk and we talk. And after all is said and done, more is said than done. We need to literally go out and do things in the name of Jesus and with his power that make a difference in the world. I had a lady at one of my church come to me many years ago, and she said, I have a real heart for pregnant women. They don't know how to survive. They're on their own. Uh, these are single pregnant women. Would you help me build a ministry toward them? And I said yes, having no idea, Larry, what I was going to do. But I said yes. Over a five-year period, she brought 25 women to the Lord Jesus Christ, ministered to them, helped them through the entire pregnancy, supported them, helped them get jobs and everything else. They, in turn, here's the best part, they, in turn, went out and evangelized their family and their neighbors who became part of the church. And you would have thought I was the best evangelist in the world. All I did was give permission to look for money. I mean, they needed money, and I would go out and talk to businessmen and women about that. But the bottom line was, she saw a real need, and she did it, and became the body of Christ, and it evolved a lot of the congregation. And it was powerful. Well, I love that because I think sometimes we forget that the church is not a silo. It is a training field. It's a it's a place we, we come together and do have community. But that community has to find a field 
in which to go out and work in. And I think that should be the emphasis. But I come back to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. You're familiar with that passage of scripture where it talks about, well, some call it the fivefold ministry. But pastors, if I understand that word and that term properly, are shepherds, which is a very important part of caring for people. But I think today pastors need to do everything and be everything. And, and, and I don't know what happens to the teachers or the evangelists or the prophets or the apostles because they're not in the equation in the local church. And I've right. often wondered about that. Now, I realize you don't have the budget to hire the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, and the apostle, but why aren't these functioning in a way that those gifts are meant to function in the local church. This is going to be kind of harsh, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. Our 5013C, being tax exempt and living under government rules and having a board of directors, has become more important than what the Bible says. And as a result, we have created a church where the pastor is really the CEO, he has a board of directors, and the board of directors dictate what's happened, and you can like it or lump it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people people basically lump it by just simply leaving. Most don't object, they just simply leave and go elsewhere because we have a plethora of churches. If we were the only church in town or for the next 200 miles, we would have to function real different than we do now. And it would probably be a healthy thing if we did that. But the pastors have to understand that their calling is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, the saints are every believer in that church. And I'm constantly looking for you know, just in terms of this fivefold ministry, my role in the church is not only do I get to preach and teach, but I look for other people that can preach and get them up in the pulpit. I look for people that can teach and I put them into teaching situations. I look for evangelists. And, you know, we've got uh, at our, my church right now, we have a 12 year old evangelist like I've never seen before. This lady is going to change the world one day uh, because she is not only outspoken, but she is charismatic and people are drawn to her and she loves Jesus. Prophets. Yeah, we need prophets today. Not just the prophets in determining, you know, all the end time things, which are important, but prophets in terms of what is the Lord doing now? What is he calling us to do in this culture? What is he calling us to do in terms of our behavior? And apostles were people that were sent out with a direct commission from the Lord. And we don't think much about that anymore. You know, they saw the risen Lord, they received a commission. But when I was in Bangladesh, I met three young men that were all Muslim, who had all met Jesus in a dream or a vision, and were given a commission. And I can tell you to this day, those are three apostles that I believe exist, because they literally went out and did what the Lord called them to do. Some of them lost their families. I believe one has now been martyred. They lived in a tough environment. But we still need this in the church today. And I believe the Lord's more ready to show himself to people and to raise people up than we are to listen. But today we have pretty much dismissed all of that and pretty much want to build the church on a foundation of, let's say, a corporation. And I don't see corporation in the New Testament anywhere. I see body of Christ. And that's what we ought to be doing. You know, uh, David Ketterman from the uh, Barna organization came out with a new book and an emphasis that his research, their research, has revealed that six out of ten young people that are believers, say between ages 18 to 30, are leaving the church and they're leaving yeah. their faith. They're reevaluating is the word he used, reevaluating faith. And some will walk away permanently. Others will sort of wander and maybe figure it out and come back. 
But the question is, why is it that they're even questioning it? Now, I understand the pressure of culture is tough on young people today because of all the technology and all the stuff that they're bombarded with. But are we doing a good job at helping these young people be secure in what they know to be true in Jesus and not walk away? What are, what's your take on that? I agree with you. And I think part of the problem is too often youth groups are more designed around entertainment and making it attractive than it is centered around the mission. And I think that, that young people want a purpose in their life. They may not be able to articulate it, but they really want to do something with their life that means something. And we have the greatest opportunity in the world, Larry, to mm -hmm. tell them what that purpose is. But too often, it may be just one lesson out of 50. It may be one moment in the church year that we do that. It may be whatever. But when I, when I greet people at church, when I see people that I, I haven't seen in a while, the first thing I say to them is, Larry, what's Jesus doing in your life? Mm. Because I want people to begin to reflect upon what he's doing day to day. And I do that with young adults all the time. And the fun part is right now, I have a lot of young adults that want to be, that have come and worked with me in ministry, that want to be in ministry. And years later, I would ask them, what really drove you to do this? And they said over and over, the emphasis on Jesus, the emphasis on him. He is the one I was called to serve, not to serve you, Pastor, as much as I like you, and not to serve this church, but to serve Jesus. And then the church became the avenue by which I got to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think if the target isn't clear for young people, and if we don't make it very clear in the church, then we're going to have a problem. And I see that in every church around, especially when a pastor becomes a personality in the community or on radio or in the media. Then the focus becomes on, oh, what did Pastor Tom say? What did Pastor Tom do? No, Pastor Tom should be raising up men and women who take the highlight to glorify Jesus and my role is to make that happen. Well, you and I both know as we get older that we are unable to do some of the things that we would probably do when we were younger. So we do need that younger generation to pick up the mantle now and in the future and be the church. And if we haven't properly trained them or properly encouraged them, it's going to be hard on them to stand in a culture that wants to destroy them. So exactly. I think Pastor Tom, that uh, we need to be a little bit more proactive in reaching our young people and, and be very proactive in the message we give. And it doesn't always, as you said, have to come from us, the priesthood of believers. Are there evangelists in our, in our churches or prophets or apostles? Now, they have to be tried and proven and all of that. But if there's right. a gift of that happening in our churches, then let them exercise that gift right exactly if we don't what we're doing is we're shortchanging ourselves can you imagine if a doctor went into surgery i love to watch these surgery programs on tv since i've had like foot surgery and whatever can you imagine if they only went in with a stethoscope well how are they going to open the person up how are they going to cut out the cancer how are they going to repair the body there are a plethora of tools that are needed in the surgical ward to make it work and the lord jesus set up the church with a plethora of people and responsibilities that make the church work. Any church that revolves primarily around one pastor is a church that is not going to succeed in the generations to come. But when it is a whole plethora of people that are being equipped, raised up, sent out, whatever, 
that church is going to go on and going to affect other people in the world. Well, we are running out of time, Pastor Tom, but I'd like to sometime come back to you and talk about this gift that you have now that you've come out of retirement, this gift of church resuscitator. <laughs> I, I love that because that's what, you're, that's what you're doing. You're resuscitating yes. a church that's somewhat dying and, yes. uh, and challenge it. Now, that's a big challenge. It's a lot easier to start with a new group of people that have no history, but they can grow and they have vision and purpose and all that. An older congregation that's been around a while is a much tougher animal to train, right? You're exactly right. And it is a challenge to really listen to the Lord and be creative. The one thing I'm finding, Larry, and we can talk about this another time, is that I go to these older people and I ask them to pray in a group and pray with me about the future of the church and about the Lord's will. And when they can become part of the prayer team, they ultimately become part of the catalyst to make the church move forward. And so we're working on that real hard. Are you the pastor, interim pastor, or what are you at St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church on 19th and Portland in Minneapolis, Minnesota? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there, just quickly. Technically, I'm called the interim pastor, and uh, that's, that's that stopgap between the pastor who was there and eventually the pastor who comes. However, I am not a good interim pastor. Most interim pastors come in and just make sure you know, that everything's in place and, and nothing drops on the floor. Uh, my call is to be an interim pastor who is still motivating and driving people to the future, getting them out in the community, evangelizing people. I, I think interim is a strange word because when you're in this role, you'll find in the Bible there is no such thing as an interim pastor. Your pastors are called to preach and teach the gospel and equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And praise God, I'll be honest, the church is growing. Things are happening. We have people coming from different racial backgrounds. Money's coming. Exciting things are happening. And I think it's because the church is refocused on its mission, and Jesus is central to what we're doing. And I say hallelujah, and I hope I can do that till the day I die. Well, Pastor Tom, you're one of my heroes because you're able to do the kinds of things that you're doing there at St. Paul's, and I look forward to the next time when we have a conversation. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Larry. Our culture is confused, and that confusion is spilling over into everything today. God is never confused, and those who know Him and obey Him are never confused. Confusion is a cause of not knowing the truth, but here on this program, we untangle our culture's confusion with the truth. Thanks for listening. for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network.